You're listening to the Southwide Baptist Church Podcast with Pastor Jeremy Lewis. At Southwide Baptist Church, our mission is to boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and thereby lead people to worship God authentically, connect in biblical community, grow in Christian maturity, and multiply disciples and churches both locally and globally. For more information about our church, please visit www.southwidebaptist.com. Now let's join Pastor Jeremy for today's message. Well, if you have a copy of God's Word, let me invite you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, as we finish... This morning, our series in Ephesians. Um, It has been a long walk through this book, this letter of the Apostle Paul to the church at Ephesus. Uh, We began back in March, if you will remember. And there are a couple of uh, weeks that we have uh, taken a different uh, different path and, and gone a different place in God's Word. And yet this morning we finally come to an end. Some of you are saying, wow, finally, I didn't think we'd ever make it. Um, But we do this morning come to Ephesians chapter 6, finally. And it is a good song for us to sing before we close this book. Because if you have been following with us in Ephesians, uh, you will have seen a beautiful gospel picture I think probably the best picture we have, maybe other than the book of Romans, the best picture that we have of the gospel, and maybe even over and above Romans, it is the great, uh, glorious, eternal picture of the gospel and wrapped up in one place, perhaps better than any other place in Scripture, that God was in fact doing something from the very beginning on our behalf in order that we might be saved. And that he is going to bring that work to completion. And aren't you thankful for that this morning? That as we sing about the gospel, we can sing from beginning to end. Not just because these are truths or these are things that we've been taught. But rather because these things are certainties that we can trust in our lives. And so finally we come to the book of Ephesians chapter 6 and the final closing verses. My prayer for you is that from this series, two things have essentially happened in your life. Two things, primarily. One, that you come away from Ephesians with a deeper understanding and love for the gospel. That is my prayer for you. That you see it in a far richer, deeper, more robust way than ever before. The other thing that has been my prayer throughout this series is that you would come away with a greater commitment to live out the gospel in every part of your life. To see the gospel not as just something that is a theological truth to be understood, but a practical truth to be lived out in your life every single day. And so I hope that you see that in your marriage and in your home and in the church and in in your workplace and all of these places that we've seen. I, I hope that you see your life differently now. And so we come to this final part, and as I mentioned to you last week, we're going to wrap up the closing into this part of the message, and actually I think that it goes well into what we've been looking at, and that is the gospel in Christian warfare. What does it look like to be in a battle every day for our lives, for our souls, and in the midst of that battle, what does it look like to be prepared in that battle we looked at last week? And so we come to the third part this this morning, the gospel in Christian warfare, to look at not the reality of it. I hope that you've been convinced of that and that you should be sober and strong and secure. Not the, the actual preparation for the battle, being armed with truth and righteousness, the gospel, faith, salvation, the word. But this last element that Paul mentions, he carries over into the final section of the passage, and that is the subject of prayer. And specifically, what is the missional impact of Christian warfare? What difference does it make to the church, to us as a body, that we are engaged in a spiritual battle? And by the way, this is a really good landing point. 
Because Paul brings the urgency and the gospel of the gospel back to mind for us as we close this book. And so if you've found your place, let me invite you to stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word as we begin together at verse 10. And we're going to read through the end, but the latter portion will be our primary text this morning. Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, finally. Be strong in the Lord, in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly, to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak, so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God, the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with you all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Lord, we here this morning are those who love the Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. We have gathered this morning as believers followers of Jesus, those who have put faith and trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We've believed the gospel. We have heard over these months the gospel in a fresh way with new depth. And so, Lord, we've come to hear your word. And I pray that your spirit once again will open our eyes to see and our ears to hear wonderful things from your word. May our hearts be ready to receive all that you speak to us this morning. And I pray with a new sense of urgency that you will impress upon us what is necessary to engage in this spiritual battle that we are in every day. No doubt it is a battle, as your word declares, that it is a battle that that we face as a church body every week. And so I pray, God, that you would equip us with what is necessary to stand firm. Lord, I do pray that if someone is here this morning who's never trusted in Jesus as Lord and Savior, God, that you would make them aware of their need today. God, would you open their hearts to their need for the gospel? And I pray that even in the midst of this battle that we talk about this morning, that they would hear Jesus proclaimed and that the gospel would sow seeds of new life in their heart. Lord, I pray it all in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. There is a certain sense of urgency on my heart in this passage for us this morning. There is a great danger for the church to hear the gospel, as we've heard over these last six months or so, for us to hear the gospel and to simply fall asleep as we hear it over and over and over and over again. 
for us to fall into the mentality, into the trap of the mentality that we know Jesus, we've believed, we, we were saved however many years ago and to come to this place where we think now it's now we're together. We're, we're, we come to church every Sunday. We, we learn the Bible every Sunday. We come to connect group. We're a part of worship. We sing. We do ministry. We serve in various ways. And we just keep doing the routine. And, and for us to somehow fall into the rut of thinking that it's always going to be that way, without any kind of maintenance. To think that somehow we can coast on our way to heaven and just somehow make it there by the skin of our teeth. And that the rest of the Christian life is just kind of this fun social experience where we hang out with Christians. And that is true. But the danger is that when the church falls into that mentality that we are one step away from Satan bringing utter destruction into the body. One foothold away, one small mistake away from everything coming crashing down. I was watching the Gator game last night. Some of you watched college football. The only thing I watch and care much about is the Gators, so that's always the illustration. Uh, But as we were talking about this morning, watching Florida play that first half was just... Just a dog-eat-dog world. They were in the battle all the way. Right after halftime, one small mistake became a setback. One setback led to two-touchdown lead. And the two-touchdown lead led to a loss for the University of Florida. And if we're not careful, if we're not careful, one moment of letting down our guard as a church, we will fall into the place where Satan wreaks havoc among us. And so I want us to be aware of that this morning. And I want us to understand from this passage this morning that there is a very real need for us not only to to know the Gospel and believe the Gospel and, and know all the great things about what Jesus has done for us, but to be constantly aware and constantly on our guard, not only personally, but also corporately. And so Paul says that he has a deep concern for the gospel and he names two different groups of people. Namely, number one, all the saints. You see it there in verse 18. He says, I'm I'm desperately concerned for all the saints and for himself. Not a group, but one person. He's concerned for himself that the gospel would remain first and ultimate in all that they do. That's his deepest concern He says that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. And in verse 20, he says that he is an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. The greatest concern for the Apostle Paul is for the church and for himself that the gospel remains first. So notice two things about Paul and what he's getting after He is very, very concerned about the mission. There is a great weight on his shoulders for the sake of the mission. Not only here, but as we look throughout the book of Ephesians, throughout the entire letter, don't miss the gospel. Maybe to say it in a different way. Don't miss the forest for all the trees. Don't get into the small Truths that make up the big truth of what is being said in Ephesians. So see this picture again. I just want you to hear it fresh as a whole. We are chosen, redeemed, and sealed all to the praise of His glory. Amen? We have the immeasurable greatness of His power that is working toward us. The church, the ones who believe the gospel through which God, being rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. Amen? It is by grace that you are saved, through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God. It is in Christ Jesus, who we who were once far off from God have been brought near by the blood of Christ. It is through the cross that we have been reconciled to one another in one body, that together we might be a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. 
And now we have been given a sacred trust. We've been given the gospel to be ministers of this gospel that through us that we might know and others might know the unsearchable riches of Christ, bringing the eternal plan of God in the gospel to light for everyone so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. And we now live out this gospel in the church, in our daily lives, in our homes, in our parenting relationships, in our marriage, in our workplaces, by walking in light, walking in love, and putting on the new man so that we might love one another as Christ loves us. And we do all this trusting that God is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. And we do all of this desiring that He would receive all the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. This is the Gospel. And there is an urgent, urgent mission for the sake of... On the, on the, for the church on behalf of God as we take this gospel to the world. But he also feels not only an urgency in the mission of the gospel, because that should be on all of our hearts, but he feels a constant threat from the enemy. That's why he says to that end. The words there in the first part of this passage, to that end, in the middle of verse 18 it's pointing back to all of the activity of the enemy that he's already mentioned. And to that end, he says, praying all times in the Spirit. He wants us to pray with all prayer and supplication. There is a, a need, an urgent need on behalf, of, on behalf of the church and on behalf of Paul that we pray. Unbelievable pressure at this moment. I, I hope that you sense this. The very moment where this great gospel that we have needs to go forward meets the, the movement and the, the, uh, uh, the opposition of the enemy at that very moment. The unbelievable tension that exists there. This is the, this is the collision course that Paul addresses here in the passage. And so we come away with at least two key truths very importantly about the church and warfare. The mission of the church, number one, is urgent. The mission of the church is urgent. And secondly, the mission of the church is under attack. Let that rest in your heart for a moment. Do you sense the urgency of the gospel mission that we have been given? Do you really feel the weight that is behind what we've been called to do to go and make disciples and to proclaim this gospel from here to the very ends of the earth. Do you really feel the weight of that? Like, is that your waking thought every morning like it was the Apostle Paul? Do you get up with this, this just perplexing burden to go and preach the gospel to all people you come into contact with? It is an urgent, it is an urgent Mission. And if we had time this morning, we could go into all of the reasons why it is an urgent mission. Suffice it to say this morning that part of the urgency, at least one major part of the urgency, is because the enemy wants it to fail. And so every day, church, that we get up, the church is under attack. We cannot ever let our guard down. So what does the Apostle Paul say is the most important task of the church with regard to this urgent mission and this imminent attack. What is what is our offensive technique? What do we do whenever the enemy is marching against us? <laughs> Had a conversation just this morning. What do I do whenever the enemy seems to be attacking on every front? The apostle Paul is very clear. Pray, pray, Pray. Seems so simple, but isn't that what he says? Praying at all times, and if that were not enough, with all prayer and supplication. He goes on to say about the church making supplication for all of the saints. That is attached 
to all of the other provisions in the passage. Everything else that we're trying to do, we pray. We pray as we seek the truth. As we trust in and live out His righteousness. Remember that breastplate of righteousness. We pray as we proclaim the Gospel. The, the, the protection on our feet. The Gospel of good news on our feet. Praying for greater faith. We're praying as we wait on His promise of salvation. That helmet that we wear every day. We're praying as we depend on the Spirit to wield God's Word in our lives. That is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word. We're praying as we live out this war, this battle. Pray, pray, pray. So one big truth that you should understand this morning. And that is that the church must pray together constantly as the primary means of spiritual battle. The church must pray together, pray together constantly as the primary means of spiritual battle. So what do we do? Realizing that the mission is urgent and that the enemy is ready to attack at every moment. We keep praying together. This is not unlike what we see in the rest of the New Testament. It's not only the instruction, but the example that's left for us. We We could turn to passage after passage, but I want to just draw your attention to one quickly this morning. You can turn there if you like, but Acts chapter 4, the story is that Peter and John have been arrested by the Sanhedrin. They've gone to that gate called Beautiful at the Temple and seen the man healed and he goes into the temple and he starts leaping for joy because he's found Christ. By the way, that should be the response of everyone who comes to know Jesus Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Amen. That ought to be our our lives, our posture when we come to know Christ. But they are condemned for their preaching of Jesus. They're put before the religious and political, for that matter, court of the day. And as they as they stand before the court, they are told that they should no longer speak in the name of Jesus. It's a trial. It's persecution. It's the attack of the enemy. And by the way, let's just be honest, sometimes the greatest attacks of the enemy will come from the most religious people. And what happens? The Bible teaches that when they heard it, they go back to their people, right? Peter and John are released. They go back to their people, the church. And the Bible says that when those friends, when the church, those brothers and sisters, when they heard the news, here's what they did. They lifted their voices. This is verse 24 of chapter 4. They lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against His anointed For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. The Bible says, and when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. That was the response of the church. Anytime we fall into a place where it is hard, where things seem to be rough. And by the way, they're constantly praying when they don't know what to do. They're praying even when things seem great. They're praising all the time, praying. This is the posture of the church because they understand that they're in a battle every single day. And it's not the kind of thing that should be limited to Acts chapter 4 or to New Testament Christianity. It should be the heartbeat of the local church that we are constantly Praying together. Amen? It ought to be what we do. Our missionary friends have reported to us, and we've heard Cody and Jessica praying that God would provide 
a means for them to go to Costa Rica and go through language school so that they could go and be missionaries in Peru and, and train pastors. And before, hardly even before they even left our church within the next week or two weeks, God provided that need and they were able to go and they're over there now and learning the language and sharing the gospel all because God's people prayed and God met a need through prayer. And against all of the spiritual warfare that could be there in Peru and all of the reasons why they may be stopped from going, we prayed, others prayed, and God responded through their prayers. Or we could talk about Karim and Joy, who are missionaries to Turkey, and you heard their story. It's impossible that they should share the Gospel in Turkey. And yet this is what they're doing, a church planted in Turkey and growing every day. Almost a hundred believers every week in Turkey, Muslims that have walked away from from their their faith in Islam, their faith in Allah, who does not exist and put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, who is the one true God, because the church prayed and shared the gospel. We could talk about our missionaries just a couple of weeks ago, Nathan and Dorothy, missionaries to Bangladesh. They went believing that God was going to do a miracle and God just arranging all of the events. You heard them. All the events in their life and for this hospital. People have come and they share the gospel every day. Only there. Because God has preserved them through the prayers of His people. Some of you have been studying prayer on Sunday mornings in your connect group. And you know the story of the circle maker. The story of that church where they prayed for a building and God provided the building and all they had to do is just pray and trust in the Lord and, and against all odds, financial odds, and, and the building even selling, the, the building came to them all because they had a desire to plant a church and they prayed that God would provide for the need. God answers the prayers of His people. The story of Brooklyn Tabernacle, we could share in length. Jim Cimbala praying for a place for God to, to give for this church to begin to grow. The windows dilapidated, everything falling apart. In this building, and he committed his life to this church, and he fought for two or three years, and not knowing what else to do, he said, We're just going to start having a Tuesday night prayer meeting. And the church began to grow, and gang members were coming to Christ, and prostitutes were coming to Christ, and the city began to be changed. And today, the church has around 6,000 people that come and worship every single Sunday morning, all because God's people prayed. Listen, I, I don't know what God might want to do here at Southwide if we would just become serious about praying. There's a couple of groups, in fact, several groups that are praying on Sunday mornings. Maybe you're a lady and you say, I want to pray with some women. We've got a group that's meeting back here at 815, don't we? Meeting back here to pray. We've got a group of men that's just kind of starting up. Our worship team prays together. You're welcome to join that group. We're praying. We want to be people of prayer. And I just believe that God will respond. Well, there's at least two things that Paul calls the church to pray for. And I want to show them to you. At least two things that we should pray for. Two groups. Number one, we should pray for the church. And who is he talking about? Notice that we are to keep alert with all perseverance. That's the whole being alert, being sober thing. We've already talked about that, but it does remind us that this is a spiritual warfare context. It's not just praying for any reason. It's praying in the midst of this spiritual battle that we're in. So we're praying with a specific purpose in mind. He uses this word perseverance. So we keep doing it. It's constant. It's not something that stops. But he says that we're praying, supplicating, begging, earnestly yearning for God to do something. And we pray specifically in that way and ongoing for the saints who are the saints. You may have heard the phrase mentioned, well, I'm no saint. Anybody ever heard that phrase mentioned? Somebody says that whenever you're trying to correct their actions or you're telling them that we're all sinners. And, and that is an incorrect usage of the statement. Because in Scripture, saint has nothing to do with the life that you live in terms of your level of holiness. You don't get to sainthood. The Catholics are definitely wrong on that issue. Everyone who follows Jesus is a blood-bought saint of the living God. So when 
Paul says, pray for all the saints. He's saying, pray for the church. Watch this now. Not just this church. He says, pray for the church. All believers from one end of the planet all the way around back to that end of the planet, praying for every believer on the planet. This is the call. And so like Ephesus, it is incumbent upon us that we pray for every single believer. And we do that for two reasons, just to bring this back before you. We do that because of the urgency of the mission. Watch this. Southwide Baptist Church is not the only church, and Lord willing, we're doing this, okay? But we're not the only church proclaiming the gospel every week. Amen? There are churches, Pleasant Ridge Baptist Church, First Baptist Church, Mossy Head Baptist Church, Freeport Baptist Church, not only our Baptist Church friends, but the Glendale Presbyterian Church. Uh, I mean, I just could go on and on and on. First, First Methodist Church downtown. All of these churches... Proclaiming the gospel every week. Saw somebody post on Facebook just this week. If if all Southern Baptists would just simply share the gospel, just Southern Baptists, nine, over 19 million Southern Baptists. Do you realize this? If we're just assuming, watch this now, that 19 million soldiers are going into battle tomorrow morning to proclaim their faith, you better believe we ought to be praying for the church. And not only that, but our brothers and sisters overseas who are at cost of risk and cost of their life every single day. We ought to be praying for believers. We have an urgent mission. We pray for the mission and the threat of the enemy. The risk of their lives, not just physical enemies, but the spiritual enemy. Every day Satan is trying to silence the preaching of the church and we ought to pray for them. At least on three levels. We ought to be praying for our church. Amen? If you're not praying for your church, you're not being obedient to the Scripture. If you're not praying for your church to be effective in the Gospel and to be faithful in what God's called us to and, and to guard us against the enemy, then you're not being faithful to the Bible. We need every member of Southwide Baptist Church, watch this now, praying every week of the year for our church. If we want to be effective in the Gospel, we cannot be effective without asking God to make us effective. Do you believe that? The power of God resting upon the church is the only hope of the church to take the gospel forth. It's the only hope. It's not just our obedience. We need to be empowered by His Spirit. Remember, sword of the Spirit, which is the Word. It is the Spirit that applies the Word of God. And we need Him. We need Him every day. And so we pray for our church. We ought to pray for local churches. Take a time. We do this. We've got a prayer list where we've done this for years. Take a time every week of the year. Pick a church in our city and pray for them. Pray for them. If that goes, if that, if you run out of churches, go out to the county. And then spend your time praying for the global church, those who are persecuted around the world. Well, what do we pray for? At least four things that we need to pray for. We need to pray for perseverance under trial. Pray for perseverance under trial. That's pretty obvious from the passage. If, if we're to persevere in praying, if it's hard enough just to pray for people who are suffering and pray for our own lives and pray for God to guard us against the enemy, then certainly we need to pray for perseverance, don't we? Pray for it. Pray secondly for growth in the gospel. That's what Ephesians is all about. The letter was written for a purpose. We want to grow more in the gospel. You ought to be praying that Southwide Baptist Church, that the church at large in the Funiac, that the gospel all around the world would never grow cold in the hearts of God's people, that we would never ultimately plumb the depths of its riches, but that we would keep diving to the depth of its riches and that we would grow more and more in Christ. That is our worship and our discipleship, our worship and our grow component. Grow in the gospel. Third, we need to pray for unity of the fellowship. Satan would have nothing, would want nothing more than to get into Southwide Baptist Church and destroy us, even even to, to bring division among us right now. He would have no, no other goal in his life than to do that. 
And we need to pray for unity of the fellowship. It comes right there in Ephesians 4. It's one of the things that Paul mentioned even before he gets to this passage. When he warns the church, he's already warned the church about unity. And being united as one body in one Christ and one gospel. And boldness in the mission. Certainly that is prayed for here in this passage. That we would pray for boldness and lived out in Acts. We should pray for boldness within the church. To speak God's Word. Pray for boldness. And so group number one, we should pray for the church. Secondly, Paul mentions himself. He says, and also for me. That words may be given to me in opening my mouth to boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Pray for me, Paul says. And who is Paul if nothing more than a pastor? An apostle, yes, but he's a pastor. And we ought to pray for our pastors. We ought to pray for our pastors. I would say to you that this would include missionaries. So what Paul's role is here in the passage as well. He's praying, he's asking the church, he's pastoring them to pray for him as he's sent out to go and preach. So it's missionary, pastor, we ought to pray for our pastors. Those who've been given oversight of the gospel in the church and oversight of the gospel in the world. Pray for pastors. All of the prayers, by the way, are related to the preaching ministry. And so you, Southwide Baptist Church, ought to pray for your pastor. I need you to pray for me. I need you every day to pray for me. Because the battle is raging just as much in my life and my heart and for my life as it is for yours, if not more. Satan will destroy a church through the failure of its pastor. And I don't want to be there. And were it not for the grace of God, so go I. But I need you to pray for me. And not only pray for me. But there are pastors all throughout this county that we ought to be praying for regularly. Pastors of these churches that lead these people every single week that struggle with temptations of their own and that wrestle with discouragement of their own and that wrestle with the enemy trying to get in and destroy their churches that they're in charge of leading. God has placed them by Christ in charge of leading. Pray for pastors. And pastors at large, think about Karim and his family and his church and how every day he leads at the risk of his life. He said to us, standing in this pulpit, if my wife is deported, I must make a decision. And that decision is stay or go. Stay or go. And he said to us, I would like to think that I would stay And preach the gospel. So let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray for Karim and his family and others. So what do you pray for? I think Paul is very specific. Of course, it's the gospel. It's the heart of what we're praying for for pastors. But specifically notice he says, I think, what are four things? He, He says, pray for truthfulness in preaching. Truthfulness in preaching. He says that my that words may be given to me and opening my mouth. Where is he wanting those words to come from? God and his word revelation. God has given us this book. And so he wants to be truthful in what he says. He, he wants the message on his heart to be consistent with the words that are given to him. Truthful. He wants to preach true messages. Pray that pastors would be truthful in their preaching. Secondly, clarity in his preaching. Pray for clarity. He says that words, focus on that for a second, that words may be given to me. I, I don't want to get up to preach God's word and not have any words. I, I don't want to get up to preach God and explain in my terms or 
terms that would be that I can understand. I want you to hear that message. And in order for that to be heard in terms that you can understand it, the Spirit of God needs to take off blinders and to bring clarity to God's Word from my mouth to your ears as the Spirit moves that to your heart. Pray for clarity each week. Pray for power in preaching. Paul wants to open his mouth boldly. He says that twice. Opening my mouth boldly. And then he says that I may declare it boldly. Twice he says boldly. How do we have bold preaching? Well, the Spirit of God, the power of God upon the preaching and the preacher. Acts 4 is God-given power. The place was shaken. And they spoke the Word of God with boldness. You pray for power in the pulpit. And fourth, obedience in preaching. Paul says, I am an ambassador in chains. I represent Jesus Christ and I am a bondservant to Him. I have willingly and eagerly given my life away just as we looked a few texts back at what it means to be a bondservant. Paul says, I serve at the joy of the Master. And there are days when Satan says, don't preach that message. Don't say it that way. Who are you to preach anymore at all? You're not worthy. There are so many other things you could be doing with your life. Just chase that. And I, I need to be obedient and I need you to pray for me. Then I'm going to keep being obedient to preach the gospel. Obedient in preaching not only me but others at far greater cost in their lives. So how does Paul kind of wrap this up. I love this picture at the end when we come to this last four verses here. Verses 21 through 24. Paul's talked a lot about the Gospel. He deals now with the church and their mission and with pastors and their mission and says pray for those. But you see, it's not just about the Gospel because there is a sermon and there is a preacher. There is a gospel and there is a believer. And Paul ends this letter wanting them to know that he has affection not just for the message and for this church or the, 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 the preaching of the church. He has a he has a affection for the church itself, believers personally and for pastors. So notice what he says in verse twenty one. So that you may also know how I am and what I'm doing. He sends Tychicus, which, by the way, was a messenger. We see him come up in a couple of other places. Various things that he's told to do. A believer from Asia Minor. He says, I have sent him in verse 22. In verse 22, I've sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that you may that he may encourage your hearts. He goes on to talk about grace and love and peace. He's sending this one to the church that they might check on each other. And I'm so thankful for this verse because it reminds us that the mission of the church also has a missionary. That the church is made up of individual believers. And if that is true, then we should close on this thought. The mission requires that we minister prayerfully and personally to the missionally sent. The mission requires that we minister prayerfully and personally to the missionally sent. If you have been sent by God, rather, rewind that. If you've been saved by God, you have been sent by God. And it is the duty of the church to minister to one another prayerfully and personally so that we experience love and encouragement. So that our faith is renewed and so that we are reminded of the grace that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. Pray for pastors and pray for one another personally. This is what I want to call us to this morning. That we would pray for our church. 
and the churches in our area and that we would pray for pastors. So here's what I'd like to ask for us to do this morning. The invitation is twofold. First, it is this. If you are here this morning and you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, very simply, we are sinners separated from a holy God. And this glorious gospel is here this morning. Jesus is here to save you. It is good news. If you will turn from your sin and trust in the blood of His cross, that He will forgive your sins and cleanse you and save you, you will be born again. And today you can live new in Jesus. Today you can be saved if you'll just simply step out of the place where you'll be standing in a moment and say today, Pastor, I want to be saved. So if that's you this morning in a few minutes when we stand, you come to this altar and you say, Pastor, today I want to be saved and I'll help you. Others of you this morning, here's the call. The altar is going to be open and there have been times where I have called our church to come and pray. And I want to just be real with you. And this altar has remained empty. And I'm not suggesting that you did not pray. But there is power in the church coming together on their knees to pray for the mission of God in our church. And I am pleading with you this morning that you will join me at this altar to pray for our church. And so in just a few moments, when we stand, the altar will be open. I'm going to be here down front to receive. And then what we're going to do is we're going to close this morning at our altar And so if you've come, you just remain there and I'll join us together and we'll pray this morning. All across the room, let me invite you to stand and we will pray this morning to ask God to move in this place in our hearts. Lord, would you have your way in our church? I pray, God, that you would make us a praying people. And God, that we would see the effectiveness of our prayer because you move in our midst. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. As the music begins to play, the altar is open, you come. If you're not able to come this morning, these front rows are open. Come and sit. Come and pray over your church. Father, your people are here um, in your presence. God, we recognize you as the sovereign God who has made heaven and earth and everything that is in them. God, before time ever began, You purposed to send the life of Your only Son, to send Him to die in our place and to save us through the Gospel. God, we are grateful that You would save a sinner like me. God, is an unthinkable act, but You did it because You love us and because Your grace is sufficient. And so, God, we look to You and Your righteousness God, as our merit to stand before you today, we look to the blood of Jesus and we come to you boldly and we ask God on behalf of this body whom you have established, whom you've called out. God, we are your called out assembly. We are your church for the sake of your mission. We are not here for our preferences. We are not here for our opinions. We are here for your purpose in our lives. And so, God, we are asking for you to do what cannot be done through human terms. We cannot do it in our flesh, God. We cannot do this mission. We have no answer for the lost. God, we have no answer for the, the trials. We have no answer for the attack of the enemy. We have nothing, God, without you. Lord, you have empowered us by your spirit. And so we pray that your your power would be manifested in this place, in our hearts, in our lives. And we pray that God, through us, your gospel would be made known and that it would go forth in spirit and in power. God, that your spirit would empower the preaching of your word, that people would come to faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you for what you've already done over the last few months. God, we've seen you move and and bring people to us. God, we've been praying for leaders and you sent them. There have been days where attendance is low and where we're discouraged. There's been days when it's been wonderful and everyone's here. And God, we just we we go through that ebb and flow. But we are reminded that we need you at every moment. And, and so you you've sent us leaders, God. And and God, you've sent people who've joined the church recently. And and Lord, you've sent people who have 
trusted in Jesus and, and some that still are going to be baptized. God, you're, you're working here. Maybe not in the plan that we have, but you're working. Help us to recognize you working amidst us. I pray, God, that we would continue to depend upon you for all that we do. And God, help us to pray more as your people. To pray for our church. God, would you bind the enemy from this place? We know that he is walking to and from the earth, seeking whom he may devour. Lord, we do not want to be among the numbers. We want to be the church that is living all for you because you are all to us. And so I pray, God, that you would bind the enemy from this place. Would you remove the blinders from our eyes? God, where we are selfish and prideful, would you remove that from us? I pray, Lord. Lord, where there is division among us and conflict in relationship, would you bring reconciliation? God, where there is disgruntledness and and frustration with what is happening, Lord, I pray that you would soften that. God, where there is a lack of leadership, would you provide it? Lord, where there is disobedience among us, I pray that you would that you would forgive us, Lord, and that we would repent and turn to you fresh. Lord, we want to see a move of your spirit among us. We want to see a revival of your people. And God, we want to see the lost come to salvation. And so I pray, God, that you would help us help us. Give us wisdom from on high as we look to do things in our community that would be effective. Lord, lead us. Lord, your word tells us to pray that you would lead us in the paths of righteousness for your namesake. And we're praying that. Give us eyes for your kingdom. Lord, help us to not seek out treasures on the earth, but to store up treasures in heaven and to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Lord, help us to pray for our pastors and our churches in the area. Lord, we pray that you would move in our churches. Lord, if you know the names, but even just in our immediate area, would you move by your spirit in Pleasant Ridge Baptist Church? Would you lead Malin as he leads his church? God, would you move in First Baptist Church? Would you move in East Baptist and Freeport Baptist? God, there's so much growth in our county. It's unbelievable to think about where we're going to be just in three or four or five years. Lord, you've placed the church here at this time in this season, and we want to be faithful. So would you cause an outpouring on your spirit, even as there is an outpouring of growth in this county? And I pray, God, that you would be exalted and that people would be saved. Thank you for this body who meets every week. Encourage them today. God, give them strength and perseverance. Lord, most of all, we ask that you would help us to see abundantly more than we could ever think or imagine and that you would be glorified in the church both now and forevermore. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the Southwide Baptist Church Podcast with Pastor Jeremy Lewis. For more information about our church, please visit www.southwidebaptist.com. We also invite you to connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram by searching for Southwide BC. Thank you for listening, and may you continue to worship, connect, grow, and multiply as you follow Jesus Christ.